Hello everybody, welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football. It's the Friday edition, which means we're looking forward to the Premier League weekend. I've enjoyed the Carabao Cup, I've enjoyed the FA Cup, but the Premier League's better and I like better things. Uh, we're also going to be talking about, we've got Goldbridge, the return of Goldbridge. It's 19 all, so it's a big week in a reduced Premier League week, Will. Um, excited about this. I've also got some sneaky little surprises for you, which are going to be bench, sell or keep, because it's a transfer window and I didn't tell you before we went live. Yeah, lovely, lovely. We've been thrown under the bus just as you go live. Looking forward back to the Premier League action. Goldbridge is back. Fantasy football could be in the mud, but it's in the mud for everyone. So many injuries, so many suspensions, so much going on. But this is where you prove your worth as a manager, a top fantasy manager. And I will prove that this weekend. You are a fantasy manager because no one would ever give you a job. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's get straight into it. Let's get straight into it. We're going to we're gonna start off. We've got some either ors and everything else like that, but I, I want to just fly in straight away. We've got such a, a, a reduced week, but in essence, we've got two massive games. We've got Manchester United against Tottenham. We've got Newcastle against Man City. We've also got, let's be fair, Burnley against Luton, if you're interested in what goes on down there. And I think we all are. But uh, we'll start off at the top with Manchester Not Unfortunately, not the top of the league. But I think it's the top fixture of the week. Uh, Manchester United uh, hosting Spurs on Sunday afternoon. Now, we were we were thinking about this game. and We were talking about who's going to win, who's going to win. And then a debate heated up, just like my radiators, because it's bloody freezing. Um, we got into this and we're going to share it with the podcast. Um, I said Ten Hag's better than Ange. And I knew straight away it would be a red rag to a bull. It, it really would. It'd be like me when I get the prime out and Seb sees it. He just chases me around the house. <laughs> give me that prime. And, uh, I, 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 you know, Will and Ange, he still wants to wash his car. But I'm not having this. And I, I think this will be our poll on Spotify. Who is the better coach? And I don't want any recency bias. This is so recency bias, in my opinion, Will. Well, there is a lot of that. And probably, uh, you know, hands up now, I'm going to have to put that into my argument because as much as I admired Andrew from afar when he was at Celtic winning all those trophies, I think it was a double treble at Celtic. I wasn't watching Celtic every week. I wasn't watching some of his former teams before. So yes, Mark, you are right. There is a little bit of recency bias. But for him to have come in and almost, I'm not going to say mirror, but obviously Eric Ten Hag came in and, you know, he had a very tough start. He almost did it the opposite way for his first season. But at the end of last season, uh, you know, we were friends. Our friendship was blossoming. Um, and you were like, oh, I'm so excited for Manchester United. Like, could they be challenging for the title next year? I don't know, but I'm positive. And all this year, it's gone to the skip. Whereas Big Ange's come in and house on fire. The philosophy, I mean, you, I mean, let's look at recency bias. We, you were speaking about it on Twitter. They've already done their business. with Some fantastic business in January. There's a clear mandate there's a clear philosophy everything's just clear and it comes from that direct dorset tone to big Ange, just dropping a mate listen here and then you're in so I, i'm just so excited for tottenham fans and to see where this journey takes us with big Ange. yeah and it is completely and utterly uh, uh bias um there's, there's there's no doubt about it because i look at eric ten Hag and it's not going well at the moment. It is not going well. He's he's in a relationship uh, where he's he's being undermined. Um, he's being bullied, and you know the divorce lawyers are are are, are circling like vultures. There's no doubt about it, and and probably quite rightly so. But um, but I think that Ange's done a great job. I'm really impressed with what Spurs have done in the transfer window. By the way, to going that that's that's forward planning. 
They knew the transfer window was happening in January. They've gone and got Werner and this Genoa centre-back in. Very clever stuff to do. They're having a good season. And I get all that. But it is recency bias because Ten Hag has taken Ajax to a Champions League semi-final. And his first season at Manchester United, he did do very, very well. So I'm I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, it's um, Ten Hag is not as good as as Ange because I feel that in a year's time Ten Hag might have turned it around and Ange might be struggling again. I'd be very interested. I, I I would guarantee that Manchester United also had more points after 20 games than Spurs had after 20 games in Ten Hag's first season. Um, so look, the football's good, but the big the big the big the big carrot in the room is that. I don't think Ange would be able to do a good job at Manchester United, but I think Ten Hag would do a good job at Spurs. I think Man United's a poison chalice. It's destroyed Mourinho. It's destroyed Ranić. It's destroyed Van Hal. You know, it's you. a tough job. And and it's destroyed me, yeah. And and I don't think Ange would be able to do that job. I think he's doing a very, very good job, but it's recency bias. It's the same as your either or the other day where you said Diaz or Saka because Saka's not doing well at the moment and Diaz is, but the reality is Saka's better. And Ten Hag is a better coach than Ange at the moment. And I'll be in the minority and I'll lose this vote and it will prove to me that recency bias is destroying this planet. But do you not think, so you say um, Big Ange couldn't do a job if he came into Manchester United because of everything that you laid out there. Right, we've got a clean slate coming up, a fairly clean slate with Ineos. And that's what um, Big Ange has got at Spurs now, like a clear directive from Daniel Levy the club's in a good place. Hopefully Man United will be in that good place. So you give everyone an equal footing. Do you, do you think Eric Ten Hag will improve that much under Ineos? And then do you think Big Ange could do a better job? No, I don't. And, I, and, and it's funny here because actually, although I'm choosing Ten Hag over Ange, I'm actually praising Ange and Spurs here because he's gone in there and he's got a collection of players that want to work for him and the way he plays football. And some of those have been brought in, of course, James Madison, Van der Ven, Vicario, amazing signings, well done. But also he's got established players at Spurs who struggled under Conte and Mourinho because the football wasn't great. But I'm talking Son, I'm talking Kulisevsky, I'm talking Besuma. I'm talking these players that have responded to the way that he plays and, and will work ridiculously hard. I don't think... If you put Ange at Manchester United, I'm not going to name names here, but is he going to get Marcus Rashford? Is he going to get Anthony? I'm naming names, aren't I now? Is he going to get <laughs> Scott McTominay? Is he going to get those players to work the same way that Spurs work? And have they got the ability to do that? So I think that Spurs was a was a perfect club for Ange to go into. And I would say at Manchester United, it'd be a very interesting experiment, but I think he would fail unless he gets that reset that uh, Ineos are supposedly, allegedly, I'm not convinced, going to provide. Um, Manchester, Manchester United's a poison chalice, but I think Ten Hag, at this moment in time, is still the better coach, struggling at a bad place. And and for me, this is nothing against Eric Ten Hag. Like that Ajax side that got to the Champions League semi-final what, in 2018, 2019 season, that is some of the most enjoyable football I've ever witnessed, those performances at the Bernabeu, you know, mm -hmm. that, that Spurs double leg as well. But... He was at Ajax from 2017 until he joined Manchester United. In that time, he won three Eredivisies and two domestic cups, right? So that, that, that's over his span. Big Ange, in, I'd say the Eredivisie is obviously a bit more competitive than the Scottish League because of the teams involved. But 
it's a comparison nonetheless. Uh, Big Ange, two seasons, two domestic trebles. I mean, we're rocking and rolling Can, and Big Ange. Even the Scots are going to be with me like this. Comparing the Eredivisie to the Scottish Premier League is like no, comparing Margot Robbie to Susan Boyle. There's a very big difference. And I think she might be yeah, Scottish and who's got the well. better voice? So she's definitely... Well, I know who I'd like to wake up to singing. Neither of yeah. them are happily married. But the point remains that... The Scottish League is not better than the Eredivisie. Look, I I'm know I'm going to lose this. De- I'm going to lose this debate, but my point is, there are there are recency bias that gives it to Ange, and I get that. But there are also intelligent levels that I operate in, whereby last season, in his first season, Ten Hag took Man United to third and won a trophy. If Ange takes Spurs to third place and wins a trophy. I'll sit here at the end of the season and go, you know what? I was wrong. But right here, right now, I think Ange is on a trajectory, whereas Ten Hag has a CV. And that's what I'm saying. If you... If, so I rest my case. Stops, I rest, I rest no, my case, Your Honour. No, Your Honour! Your Honour! Right now, if Heavy. you were... <laughs> have this. Um, if you were to clean slate, knowing what you know now, up until this point right now, and you had the chance to bring in Big Ange, or Eric Ten Hag, who would you bring in tomorrow? If I could get Big Ange to come along with Son, Kulisevsky, Basuma, Van der Ven, and half and most no, no, of his no, team, no. I'll take Big Ange. But the, 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 I nearly called him Big Minge. <laughs> Big Ange. But the reality <laughs> is, the, the I don't think it matters who Man United manager is. I really, I've, yeah, I yeah, have to true. be consistent. I don't think it matters. So I'm I'm giving Ten Hag. Um, I'm giving it to Ten Hag based on his CV and what he's done, but I think United will grind anybody down and spit them out. And I think that's where Ten Hag is at the moment. He may well not be the manager for much longer. But I also think, and I, I think this is where most of Manchester United fans stand, but I think Eric Ten Hag is the man for Manchester United right now. I think they should stick with them just because of, I know you go on about it on a daily basis, but like, it's just going to be another cycle, isn't it? So just, you've got to stick with him. He is a good manager. And believe it will come good because dreams can come true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move it on. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people getting involved in the comments and the poll on that. Um, the next one I will have to concede. Um, Manchester United to finish above Tottenham. Absolutely not. I don't know what the points gap is at the moment. Well, I do actually. It's um, it it's eight points. Yeah, yeah, it's eight points. So I actually think United will win on Sunday, Will. Um, and I'll explain mm. it why, because I like my football, I consume my football and I observe my football. And Villa, a lot of people said, very high up in the league, having a great season. I fancy us to beat Villa because they play a high line and I fancy us to beat Spurs because they play a high line. It's like that whole, yeah. it's like a, it's like having that thing in football, isn't it? I'm sure Blues have it, Birmingham. They, you know, there's a team that you always beat and you can't really understand why. And for Manchester United, if someone plays a high line, it's Christmas. That we love it. Knock a ball over the top. Rashford sprints onto it. Spurs are ridiculously naive if they come and do it, but I don't think they can play any other way. So I think United will beat Spurs, but I don't think we'll finish above Spurs. But I mean, you know, what's the evidence that we can go on so far this season? Big Ange versus Eric Ten Hag at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham won two 0 They were lucky. They were lucky. Yeah, you make your own luck in this game. No, I, I think it'll be a great game. I think it'll be a great game. I think the interesting one for I I think it'll be a big score draw. Um, that's me personally. I think it should be a very attacking game and both going out. I each think other. Spurs. 
I know what, I think Spurs might struggle though because I don't know who they've got available. Uh, Son's not yeah. there, is he? Sar's not there. No. I don't think Basuma's there. I don't know what the situation is with people like uh, Van der Ven. Was he back already? Um, I think he might have played against Burnley, actually. But I don't know whether they've got um, any uh, any other players back. So I'm not I'm not I'm not sure what the situation is with Spurs. Madison, I don't think's back. So there'll be a week. It won't be the same Spurs, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they've also made the good additions, which I think should be available because of the yeah we're on Wednesday now, so they'll be they'll be more than available. I just think it'd be a good game. But I think the interesting one is it a full fit squads. I know we don't always like to do combined 11s because they're part of the course, but I think with these two teams, it's very interesting, actually. And I was interested to hear what you think would be your combined 11. Combined 11, um, in this instance, I'm just having a quick look if uh, Van der Ven was back. I didn't see him on the bench. He wasn't uh, against Burnley, no. He was on the bench against Burnley. Got you. Van der Ven. Um, combined 11, um, easy. Uh, it's actually quite easy, actually. Oh. The whole Spurs team? No. I would go Vicario <laughs> in goal. Um, I would go Porro at right back. I mean, visually and statistically, he's done very, very well. I think you've got to go Romero and... Um, can I put Van der Ven in? He's, I think he's played 15 games. No, he didn't play 15 Do what you games. Want, I don't know whether it's Van... Your it's your podcast. I mean, on the best, best yeah, I've got to go this season, haven't I? I, I would go Romero and Van der Ven as the centre-backs, to be fair. Uh, left back, um, I'm struggling. I'd probably, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of that Adogi. I think he's, uh, I think he's a bit overrated. Um, I would go with uh, Luke Shaw, and then into the midfield, I really like Basuma, so I'd probably go Basuma, Casemiro, and Madison, and then I would go Son, Kulisevsky, and. Rasmus. Mm, interesting. I just thought that was quite an interesting one because of the it. It feels like the teams should be far apart, but I think they're very similar in different ways as well. Well, you've got to be recency biased there. People will go, "Why have you gone Bruno over Madison?" But 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 I can't. I've got to go recency bias on this because otherwise, why would you go Vicario over Anana? I think Anana over the last two years has probably been better than Vicario, but this season yeah, Vicario yeah. has been better. So, yeah, recency bias there. But um, you're gonna you're gonna go with a Man United win as well? No, no, I'm gonna go for a score draw. I think I just hope it'll be like a three-three sort of vibe, and I think I just hope both teams go at each other. Mm, I'm sure they will. Uh, Newcastle Man City is our second featured game. Uh, there's only five games this weekend, actually. Just to, to 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 wet your whistle, if you're not aware of those five games, we've got Burnley against Luton, which is on uh, Friday night. Then we've got Chelsea Fulham Saturday lunchtime. Newcastle home to Man City at half five. Everton Villa Sunday afternoon, and then Man United against Spurs late afternoon on Sunday and that's your lot because it's this split week um for international what, what do you think what are your thoughts on that will actually this this um it's there as sort of a winter break but it's not it, you do end up with a weekend off because they split a Premier League weekend by five and five which I like for the consumer because you know otherwise you'd have no football but a lot of these teams have got a midweek replay in the FA Cup haven't they so Sean Dyche said it quite well when he said look realistically it's not really a break is it let's just get on with it 
Yeah, I think. And, and as well, from a consumer standpoint, with no sort of dog in the fight, I mean, it's a tough wank next weekend where it's Arsenal, Palace, Bournemouth, Liverpool, where maybe they should have split one of the Man United-Tottenham games and Newcastle-Man City just to get a bit of star quality in there. And then, yeah. you know, oh, the Premier League weekend starts on Friday night. Where are we going? Burnley versus Luton Town live on Sky Sports. So it just have a bit of a think about it. Yeah, they've not. Yeah, I don't agree with it, and uh, I think uh, um, that's enough said. But what we will talk about is Newcastle against Man City. I feel that this has got a massive uh, part to play in the Premier League title race. And I know some people go, "What are you talking about?" But Newcastle have been on a bad run recently. Good win against Sunderland in the cup, but in the league, it's not been great. They've got Villa away. As their next Premier League game, so I think that this is a massive game for Newcastle if they want to kickstart something in the second half of the season. But then for Man City, I think it's their toughest game they've got for a few weeks. So if they can go to Newcastle and win, and Kevin De Bruyne is back, it's where that monotonous, predictable Man City win every week for four months and go and win a title begins. So I think this game's got a little bit of a a story to it more than Newcastle Man City I think it could be quite symbolic in the title race and also in Newcastle's season I just feel like when we're putting the running order together like we've we speak about Eddie Howe each week but it's in extremes it's over like he's doing really good uh, it's going to be another three-year contract Newcastle could be challenging for the league or it's well it's two games left he's going to be sacked it just feels that there's no sort of middle ground and I don't know if that's down to injuries and the, the lack of squad depth Obviously, the performances are front and centre of that, but I really do hope they crack on. The, um, the Sunderland game, obviously, they should win. They did win, and it was quite convincing in the end, but they've got no European football now. They've got, they've, uh, obviously, they're still in the FA Cup. So it's quite a clear domestic calendar for them where they can just bring these players back to full fitness. Keep. I know he, uh, there's a bit of rotation involved, but just have a an 11 that you can hopefully trust and they're the ones to watch for me for January. So uh, I'm very intrigued. And it's sort of one of those games where we've talked all of this crap about Eddie Howe and then he pulls out a victory. I really do hope they do win, but I was just looking at this stat here. Newcastle have won just one of their last 32 Premier League games against Man City, drawing five and losing 26. Uh, Not beating them since uh, 2019, where it was a 2-1 win at St. James's Park. For the league, it needs a Newcastle win. Uh, it really does. And um, uh, I would love to see that happen. But I, I, I think we all know it without it happening that Man City look like they're just about to step into the void of this consistent relentlessness yeah. juggernaut. And I, I can't see anything other than that, to be honest with you. But I would love Newcastle to win. What I will say about Newcastle is that when they've got their players out and they're not fatigued, they're still a really good team. And I just hope that, that that's what happens. But I still think that they've missed the trick by not trying to get De Gea in or someone like that in goal because Depravka makes these saves and they go oh well he's doing a good job it's Depravka you know he is going to cost you points at some point and uh, maybe it will be on Saturday night but I'd love a Newcastle win but I've got to say I think Man City are going to kick on as usual I think the Kevin De Bruyne quotes were quite interesting about him sort of managing his minutes like him coming out personally and saying that whereas normally I'd expect a manager to be sort of putting those uh, quotes out into the press, but him saying, you know, yeah, he, he expects to be part of the Newcastle game, but not to start, much to the uh, chagrin of uh, many fantasy football managers. Is that a word what I've just made up? Sounded good. Let's carry on. Um, I, I think it feels like they are going to start purring though, doesn't it? And we were doing our January transfer ones. If they can get another one in there, 
I mean, Kevin De Bruyne feels like a new signing, as cliche as it is. So let's um, let's hope for the best and expect the worst. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean just quickly on that? Do you think Eddie Howe is on thin ice? Do you think there's a you know if he lost to City and Villa, that's eleven defeats. They'd be on twenty nine points. Uh, they'd probably be down in potentially. I would say probably 12th if they lose their next two. Um, it ain't looking good, bruv. It would be five losses in a row. It would be uh, six losses from seven. It's, it's, I'd say you what, that's sacking form. I don't care who you are. But they won't yeah, sack him. I uh, no, I think if they were going to do it, they'd have done it for with the January transfer window in mind. So what when they were having that... Obviously, Liverpool's a different beast, but where were we till... So, Liverpool... I mean, the Luton game just before Christmas, if you were going to do it, that would probably have been the final straw. So, I think the fact that they've given him the January transfer window, still committed to him. And, and I know everyone has this in the Premier League, but they have had a lot, a lot of injuries. So, and it, we can, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. You've still got to look back in terms of this is the... Where are we? The second... 18 months into this project, they are well and ahead of where they are. And that might be the victim of his own success, but I do think that hopefully by normal owners or normal thinking people would uh, be brought into the equation. I disagree. Do you want me to back it up with why? I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll fight you. Okay. Um, I disagree because I think he overachieved last season, but he's underachieving now. I don't think after 18 months, the Saudis would have thought, yeah, um, 11th place in the league and out of all the trophies would be acceptable. I think he's regressing quickly. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I agree. I think they're still a very good team when they've got everybody available, but they are regressing. Um, and if they want to be progressing, then they might have to make a change. I was just looking actually there. The FA Cup is their sort of saviour, isn't it? And they've got Fulham away next. So that's that's tough. That's tough. It could be January could be a bad month for Eddie Howe. You heard it here first. Let's wait and see. Um, do you think that? Do you think on. he'll be there at, at the end of the year? The calendar year or the season? This the end of the season. I think he'll probably see the season out because I can see them sort of having a few you know ups and downs. But I think in the summer there's a decision to be made there. I mean, I wouldn't mind Eddie Howe taking the England job. So, um, amen. Other other games, other games. Um, what we got? Chelsea, Fulham. Where, 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 do you, where do you fancy that? And how, Pochettino's another one. Bloody hell! He just sort of, the thing about Pochettino that makes me laugh is he just sort. I said it on my match reaction. It's like um, it's almost like he's not bothered. It's like ah, oh, remember there's a second leg. <laughs> yeah, Middlesbrough. It's a long way to Middlesbrough from bloody London, and he's sort of like, yeah, I know. I understand the fans' disappointment, but it's only half time. And I'm like, he's just got no. He's the opposite of Ten Hag. He's like. We're shit. We're not playing well. There's no plan. There's no system. God knows what our best eleven is, but no one's going to sack me. So let's see what happens next week. I think he. I don't think they should sack Pochettino, but I do think there should be more pressure. I don't think. I don't sense there's any pressure there at all, and it's that can be a bad thing. You know, you know, he's not on his toes. Feels like he's almost like controlling. I don't know if he's controlling this running order or like the press, where it's like as soon as Pochettino starts to have a bad form, it's like. Yeah, but Eddie Howe's a bit shit as well. Or like Eric Ten Hag's in a bit of trouble. It's just like, yeah. just everything seems to happen at the right time. But I think more so than Eddie Howe, like Pochettino will definitely be there at the end of the year. Like this year shouldn't be a write-off, but whatever happens, I think Pochettino will be there. So that's probably why there's not as much uh, sort of 
you know, uh, anger behind the Pochettino out or, and, and it's like an Eric Ten Hag situation, isn't it? Like, where'd you go next? Yeah. We keep fucking repeating the same old cycle. No, I completely agree with that. But I also agree with the distraction tactics. It is all like, oh, look at Eddie Howe. He's just lost there. Oh, what? Wasn't that Arteta just speeding down the road there? Look, look, he's, he's speeding. Oh, I'm sure I saw Klopp doing drugs. You know, it's like, it's just trying to distract all the time, isn't it? But uh, I still think that, you know what? I'm, I reckon that'll be a draw, Chelsea Fulham. Well, it's a it's a derby, it's a West London derby. It is. Isn't it? It's Which the rich London derby, North the King's Road derby. That's it, isn't it? Be intense, I'm sure. Um, now, I uh, I think yeah, uh, I don't know. Fulham have been very different as well, haven't they? I'll mm, go draw as well. Uh, Everton Villa three straight defeats in the Premier League for Deitchie. Uh one point above the drop now obviously they've just brought a really good lawyer in apparently to contest the 10 point gap they're not going down nice. anyway you put your, wait, save your money I don't know why they're contesting that 10 point gap leave it I sort of like go, I might give you a call in April you don't need to contest it you'll stay up no I um, well I think the other one as well Aston Villa's form had been a bit indifferent over Christmas Uh the main highlight of that was that comeback by Manchester United. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because they're second in the Premier League and it's just like we've sort of already... It feels a bit like we're just... Yeah, they're probably going to be fifth, which might be Europe. Obviously, that's another matter entirely. It's a tough game, this, because I think it's a good game, Everton-Villa. Um, I'm surprised Everton have lost three games in a row because they were really cooking before that. Uh, but Villa don't travel well. They're like my dog, so I think open the windows, plenty of breaks, but that won't work at Goodison Park. Uh, although with VAR back, there probably will be plenty of breaks. And um, there might be a bit of nauseating travel sickness as well. But I will go, I'm actually going to go Everton win. I'm going to go with an Everton win because I don't think, I've seen Villa at home, they're amazing. And away from home, they're, they're like Jackal and Hyde. Well, I'll uh, bite your hand off uh, as you're the neutral in this. Uh, argument, so I will go um, back you up with an Everton win. Um, right, should we do a good 30, 35 minutes on Burnley Luton? Yeah, well, all I'm going to say about this is um, surely we can do better on Friday Night Football, as the running order says, but um, it's a, you know what? It's very much like Luton, Sheffield United on Boxing Day. You know it's a big game, but you'd rather talk to your gran about what she got for Christmas. And that's exactly what it, yeah. well, I didn't because she's dead, but I would rather have spoken to my gran. I tried, but she w- there was no answer. It was just quiet. Well, it's almost, it's almost a bit like your gran as well, where if she, when she was alive, you don't know if it is their last Christmas. And very much this game, is, is it their last game uh, against each other in the Premier League? So there is similarities there. Um, if you're staying in on Friday night to watch this, yeah, maybe lie. have a look at yourself, unless you're a Burnley or Luton fan. Obviously, on that's football, I think you're committed you're to watch ridden. along as well, aren't you? Or you're bedridden. No, yeah. I'm not... No, unless you're bedridden. No, I'm not watching this game. Um, bigger fish to fry. Uh, quite literally, I'm having fish and chips. But I'm going... <laughs> Friday night fish and chips. But no, look, it's a good game, but it's one of those where, yeah, you, no, you, t- where, you, where you put it on at 10 o'clock and go, who won? I don't want to watch it. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, I'm not going to be sat here and be told by people on, on Twitter that, yeah, but look out for this and that. And I... If you love football, that's great, but just go and enjoy it over there because it, it, unless you're a Burnley or Luton Town fan where obviously this is everything for you, don't kid yourself. Who are you going to go, either or? I, I actually think I actually think Burnley will win. I think big, I'm big. I'm saying all of this 
caveat it with I'm a big Rob Edwards fan, so I'm going Luton Town win. Mm, interesting. Well, that's going to lead us lovely into Goldbridge uh, for this week. And um, obviously, it's a bit of a reduced week. Um, so Goldbridge, we have to pick five goal scorers from the Premier League weekend and we get a point for each. We're currently 19-19 um, across it, which doesn't seem very high to me, considering you know, we're halfway through the season. I think we need to rock it in 2024. But we also get a, a clean sheet for a goalkeeper and we also get a three points if we can pick a defender that's going to score, which Nobed here hasn't even done. Um, <clears throat> so it's 19 all. And um, uh, who, who, who do you want to go first? Uh, so I'll start my weekend proceeding with pick number one. Uh, just received news that the ban won't be in effect. It'll be riled up and ready to go. I'm going for Dominic Calvert-Lewin to score against Aston Villa. Yeah, bastard. I had him, Dean. I've got to get rid of him now. Okay, I've got to cheat. I've got to replace him. That's fine. Um, my first pick wasn't Calvert-Lewin. It was actually done chronologically because that's the sort of guy I am. And I've gone for Lyle Foster of Burnley against Luton he scored oh, in the yeah. last game he's um he's been in the news a little bit recently actually quite you know good news if, if nobody doesn't know anything about it he's been struggling with his mental health um Vincent Company's spoken about how they're dealing with it on a you know sort of week-to-week -week basis to manage it uh, he could have been called up for the AFCON I think was it for South Africa uh, and he wasn't I think Ian Wright had something to say about that um but Ultimately, I'm backing him. I fancy him to get a goal in the big game on Friday night. So my first pick is Lyle Foster from Burnley. Well, Mark, I'll be continuing the theme. It's Friday night under the lights at Turf Moor, but it won't be the home team celebrating. Hopefully, Carlton Morris will back a goal versus Burnley to get me points. I see what you've done there. Um, my second pick is in the second game. It's Chelsea against Fulham. Uh, he missed a couple of sitters against Middlesbrough, but oh, I can't really think bastard. of anybody... So I've gone with... Oh, have you got it? Well, I'm, I'm first. Cole you Palmer. You can see I've got it! Oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, what a coincidence. What a little but you're going first. But you're going first, so you could have gone in there first. I've got um, the seconds. I, okay, well, I'll go... I'll stall for a bit of time. I'll go for the game at Goodison Park. I'm going to go for Douglas Louise to score against Everton. Uh, you see, I've gone, I've gone for one off every game because there's five games, so I'm going for five different goal scorers. Uh, my third cool, pick is, is going to be Newcastle against Manchester City, and I'm going to go for the inform Englishman of Phil Foden. Very nice. Um, my fourth pick will be a man that will silence the critics, will silence the live stream on the United stand. He goes by the name of Timo Werner. Oh my god! You know this is a this this is a this is a this is a, a watch along. I'm looking forward to because I think United are going to win. But if Timo Werner scores for many reasons, um, it will be pure banter. Um, I don't want him to do it, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it would not surprise me. It's one of those things that are almost written in the stars. But I've gone for something more controversial than Timo Werner scoring at Old Trafford. I've gone for Marcus Rashford. People will be going, "What are you on about?" It's a high line. He's had a load of stick recently. I've just got a feeling in my bones that it's uh, Rashford's going to score. So, uh, and and I've even I'll even say I think he might score more than one. Whoa! Wow, steady on now. You're getting a bit silly there. I'm just going to go for. I'm just revising my pick. So I'm going for a Chelsea player. 
And that Chelsea player will be... Oh, actually, no, I'm going to go... Oh, God, I'm in all sorts of trouble here. I'm going to go Raul Jimenez. Raul Jimenez of Fulham. Fulham, yeah. That's a, that's a good pick, you know. That is a good pick. Well, I was going to have Calvert-Lewin as, my five, as one of my five at Everton, so I need to change it. I don't really fancy anyone else from Everton to score, so I'm going to shift to Villa. Um, I think going for Ollie Watkins is a little bit too obvious. So I'm going to go with uh, Diaby. Oh, I did have him down, actually, but um, I wanted to be a bit hipster and go for Douglas Louise. Uh, on to defenders. You know, we've, I've talked, we've talked a lot of trash about Bernie Luton, but because of Goldbridge, I think we're going to have to settle down and watch that. And the theme continues because I've gone for Ted Mengi to score against Burnley. Well done. Well done. Uh, I've I've not gone for that game, defenders. Um, I've gone back to a guy that I've had qu- quite a few times, and I'm convinced at some point he will score. Uh, Thiago Silva, Chelsea defender. Okay, what goalkeeper do you want? Well, my pick for goalkeeper is a pick. It's a Pickford. It's Jordan Pickford. I've gone for Jordan Pickford to get a clean sheet against Aston Villa. Nice. Well, I've gone for Emmy Martinez in the same game. So hopefully mm. it's a nil-nil or one of our players scores and makes it a score draw. There we go. There we go. Um, that's that's Goldbridge. Remember, you can play along as well. You've got lots to get involved in today. You've got a poll about Ten Hag and you've got a poll about Ange. Well, it's the same poll, either or. Um, uh, we've also been talking about Man City, Newcastle, Man United, Spurs, all sorts going on. And uh, just as a little bit of a precursor for next Tuesday, I've been doing quite a lot of research on this and it's going to be a, a bigger topic on Tuesday about stats. There was a stat on I read on a website where it said Bruno Fernandes creates more chances than anybody else. Uh, he averages one chance per game and against Bournemouth, where we lost 3-0, he, cre- he, he created six chances. I was like, I watched that game. I can't remember six chances. So... I've got something called Y-Scout, which is quite good. It's used by a lot of um, top scouts. And uh, if if someone has a key pass, it will show you the pass. So I went into that Bournemouth game and I can't find these six chances. All I can find is three or four passes to people like Ganacho or Rashford who run into the box and shoot against the defender. So I want to have a bit of chat about stats because I'm like, we all take stats and go, oh, look at this, look at that. Do we understand them? And do we know how loose they are? We'll be talking about that on Tuesday. Thoughts, Will? I look forward to that. No, I look forward to that. I think there's a, I think there's a general sort of theme developing within the sort of football community, not just like the content creation stuff of like, you're allowed to like football for why you like football. Like, I enjoy it for these sorts of chats where it's sort of like chatting with mm. your mate feels almost like down the pub and we can enjoy football like that. If you like stats, that's fine. But it feels with some people, there's like, it's like trying to dictate to you that this is the person that's going to do this because of these numbers. That's yeah. fine. If you like that, that's fine. And I like this because it's fine. We can both have our cake and eat it. Nothing beats the eye test. As my granddad always uh, said to me, if you go, don't go on a blind date because yeah. if you turn up and you car. don't like him, who? Your granddad because he had car. bad eyesight. No, I think it was because he was pissed. <laughs> Have I told you that story? I don't know. I think, I think you're being banter and I think I'm telling the truth. Uh, anyway, oh, on right, that God. bombshell. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. But no, I think, yeah, you've got to pass the... I, I think the most important test in football is the eye test. Um, and don't drink and drive ever. Um, joking or not, it's not funny. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah you, you've got to pass the eye test. And, and, and the thing is, people can get very statistical, but you can almost write what you like. Oh, such and such played 90 passes with a 90% pass accuracy. Yeah, he was sat in the midfield passing it from side to side. Stats are projective, whereas um, the eye test is the better test. I saw people on Twitter using stats to make it look like Wayne Rooney's time at, at Birmingham City was progressive. So, I mean, you can yeah, you, you can literally use them how you want to. You definitely can. And on that bombshell, I'm about to go and do a compilation video on the United stand on why Scott McTominay is the next Zinedine Zidane. See you all later. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.